It's not just a matter of biblical counseling was being done in the counseling center that was started on Mondays, but these same principles are now impacting families throughout the week in a way that's even changing the nature of children's ministries on Sunday. Welcome to Biblical Counseling in Action. I'm Steve Byers, and this is a podcast that addresses questions like, how do these principles penetrate every facet of local church ministry? What does it look like when biblical counseling starts to impact the youth ministry, or our ladies' Bible studies, or our men's ministries, or the way leaders function together, or the way decisions are made in the church? What does it look like in the lives of everyday church members who have been trained or maybe who have been counseled, but now they're continuing to live out these principles in everyday life? That's what this podcast is all about. Welcome back to Biblical Counseling in Action. Today we're talking to Jerry and Rita Jamison, who are long-term members at Faith Church. As you'll hear in a little bit, Jerry joined Faith right after the charter membership process was completed 59 years ago, and both he and Rita have had a front row seat in watching the relationship between biblical counseling and local church ministry develop here. More than that, they've not only watched it, they've served in a vast array of local church ministries, and they've often been right in the middle of what the Lord was doing. Jerry and Rita, thank you so much for being willing to talk with us today, and it's just such a privilege to serve alongside you. You're such an encouragement to me and to all of our pastors and to those who have gone before us. So I'm really looking forward to what you have to tell all of our guests. Can you tell us, first of all, just how each one of you came to Faith Church? I uh, had a year of sales training with a U.S. gypsum company after I got my undergraduate degree and got my military situation settled they then sent me to Lafayette on a sales territory so for four years I worked for U.S. Gypsum Company selling sheetrock and plaster and all of those kind of things my first wife Mary and I were both believers when we moved here so we started looking for a church Hmm. and we spent several years in three different churches before hearing about a new GARBC church that was forming in the south part of Lafayette and to serve the neighborhood, which was very fast growing at the time. So we started attending there, and that's where we've been ever since. Mary, of course, subsequently passed away, but I have been there. We were meeting in the basement of the farm credit building and the the building isn't even there anymore (laughs) so it was a brand new church plant and you got involved not long after they started and became a member and have been part of our church ever since yes that's an incredible picture of faithfulness and so thank you for that jerry well it's been a big blessing to our family to me personally it's just been a great experience i thank god every day i pray to him and say Thanks for doing what you've done for faith. Amen. Amen. And your first wife, as you mentioned, Mary, passed away. How long after you had become part of faith did that occur? About nine years. Okay, because I never had the privilege of knowing her, although I have heard about her. Yeah. And Rita, that's how you fit into the story. Can you tell us a little bit about when you came to faith? I came to Lafayette in 1971 to teach in the public schools. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. 
at that time, I was looking for an apartment and found one in a faith church family's home. Oh, really? I didn't know that either. I'm learning a lot today. (laughs) And I looked at several churches, and they encouraged me to come to faith. Hmm. And so I did that. I think I joined in 72. Okay. Okay. Well, what a blessing. How long after you joined did you meet Jerry? Oh, almost a year. Almost a year. Okay. Now that's starting to come together in my mind of how you all would have been married. So that would have been before Pastor Good came to faith. Is that right? Yes. Shortly oh, before. No. Yes, a couple years before. Okay. Okay. Because I was looking back in our church history, and the church called Pastor Good 48 years ago, which is pretty amazing because he was from, or had previously pastored up in Gary, which is where I'm from. And at that time, that would have been 1975, he was just becoming interested in the biblical counseling movement, but the biblical counseling movement formerly in the United States was just starting as well, because Jay Adams had written Competent to Counsel, I think it was 1970, and so it would have been five years later that Pastor Good came down to this particular church. But Jerry, you would have been a member, so you would have remembered at that time, and Rita, you would have too, you would have remembered when Pastor Good came. Is that true? Yes. Absolutely. I was the chairman of the deacons at that time, and we were without a pastor, which our Constitution made me the mediator, I think it's called, of the, the church. Moderator, the moderator, I bet. Moderator, yeah, yeah, that's it. And, uh, Although the moderator also often has to be a mediator. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. We were looking for a pastor, and I was looking for somebody to fill the pulpit every time. And a few times I neglected to get it done, and I had to do it. Wow. <laughs> so wow. you know how terrible that probably was. <laughs> but uh, Pastor Good. Well, I bet I'll tell as brief as I can tell this, okay? You take your time. Our <laughs> listeners want to hear all of it, Jerry. I heard that there was a pastor in Gary that was looking to change, hmm. but it wasn't Pastor Good. And I sent two couples up to Gary, and when they got there, they found out that pastor had already resigned and taken another church, so they were wasting their time. I see. So they remember hearing about this Bill Good guy that was doing counseling up in the northwest corner of the state. They said, well, let's go hear him. So they did, and when they came back, they said, Jerry, we need this guy. Wow, isn't that something? And I said, well, not knowing whether he had ever even given a thought to, to change in churches, I called him up. Isn't that something? And he was very gracious to me. He listened to the problems, and we were having our share of problems. Hmm. He was very kind, and he said, you know, why don't my wife Mildred and I come down and have lunch with you and maybe another deacon or two, Hmm. and let's talk about this. That's how it all got started. I did not know that. Yeah, He came down, and he hadn't been thinking about it, at least not publicly. Hmm. He may have thought about it. I don't know. (laughs) But anyway, we, it was really an interesting situation. How it developed and into him coming is just a sheer work of God because mm. I didn't know how to do it. And Dave Worrell, who's no longer with us, he was killed in an automobile accident. But he and I met with Pastor Good and Mildred. 
and he started, Pastor Goose started explaining to us what he thought a church ministry ought to be. Hmm. And I would, he'd say something, I'd glance at Dave, and Dave would glance at me, and the, the message was strong. We do need this guy. Isn't that something? Yeah. So we asked him if he would come and fill the pulpit uh-huh. one Sunday. That's the way we Baptist churches did things. Oh, sure. Because there's no commitment by anybody. And uh-huh. he came and talked, preached Sunday morning, Sunday evening. And then he and Mildred would stay with Rita and I. We would have some refreshments and talk. And then he and Mildred would go back to Gary on Monday morning. Uh-huh. And so the deacons and the church decided we'd ask him to come and actually candidate for the job. Uh-huh. So same procedure. He came, spoke four times. I mean, three, two more times. That made four, and they uh-huh. were all on hot biblical counseling topics. Oh, is that right? Even one of the four was church discipline. We'd never heard of that before. Isn't that something? You know, and so... So he wanted to be honest with the church oh, about if, if you're going to have me come be the pastor, here's what it's going to be like. Yeah. Are you sure this is what you want? That's exactly. Right. There's a lot of integrity right there, isn't yes, there? Yes, it did. Yes. Yeah. We could have cooled off right then. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and praise the Lord that you didn't. Yeah. Because I'm assuming that what he had to say was based in the Word of God. Oh, absolutely. And you were the kind of people that if it could be found in the Word of God, whether you'd heard about it or not before, yes. that's what you wanted. That's right. Exactly. Because in part, there had been some problems that had not been addressed biblically that needed truth from Scripture, whether it was comfortable or not. That's right. And we didn't handle them right. Hmm. And Bill Good helped me say, no, Jerry, you didn't do that right. But it was too late. You know, it was done and done. And so anyway, just to finish this up and tie it together, he came and candidated two more sets and Again, went home in the evening. He asked me how, I didn't want him to ask this question. <laughs> he asked me, how did I think it went? Yep. And the reason is, I didn't think the church was going to think he was evangelistic enough. Uh-huh. Yep. And so I said that. Mm-hmm. Well, they came down for breakfast the next morning. He said, I didn't sleep a wink last night. Isn't that something? I tossed and turned disturbing Mildred, so I got out of bed and laid out on the floor and spent the rest of the night on the floor. I felt about that high. Isn't that something? I could have dangled my feet sitting on the corner of a rug. <laughs> <laughs> and so we talked again, and he said, uh, what if I come back this Wednesday night and speak again and then open it up for Q&A? Hmm. Now, that was a brilliant move. Yeah. I had a pulse what the church would do, so I was concerned. And so he came, and he gave another fifth time now, gave us another great biblical-based message. And then he, at the end, he took his coat off. He always wore a shirt and tie, uh-huh. undid his tie and unbuttoned his shirt, rolled up his cuffs, and took a microphone that was had a wire on it. We didn't have wireless mics. <laughs> of course we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and he could go up and down the aisle mm-hmm. all the way. And the church people asked wonderful questions. I was mm. so proud of them. I uh-huh. mean, they were on target. And he was in his element. Yep, yep. He answered them. So when we got home that night, 
and they stayed overnight again. He asked me, how do you think it went? I said, when we vote, it will be unanimous or almost. Isn't that something? Yeah. And, <laughs> and I was right. Somebody voted no. One. <laughs> After we got to know him and understand him, several of us claimed to be that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So then, uh, by God's grace, you've called Pastor Good. And he's young in his understanding of biblical counseling, but very, very, very interested in it. I'm curious, can you tell us, how did that impact other aspects of local church life in those early days? Well, it had some immediate impact yeah. on the men. Tell us about that. <laughs> well, he had this wild idea that men ought to love their wives and lead them biblically, <laughs> and that they should be held responsible for it. Where did he get those ideas? I don't know. I said, <laughs> We saw that right away. Mm -hmm. He said this. He said, Jerry, I cannot expect you to do anything that I'm not already doing myself. Yep. And you and I can't expect the deacons to do anything that we're not doing yep. already. Amen. And we can't expect the deacons to do anything that they and us are not already doing when they talk to the other leaders in the church. Yep. And he went all the way down to the congregation. Mm -hmm. Why should we expect them to do anything if we're not all doing it already? Yeah, yeah isn't that something? It was, it was very powerful. He couldn't deny that. So you're saying that one of the immediate effects was just the emphasis on men being godly, growing men yes. based on the Word of God. Right. Not and only Rita emphasis. Might, Rita might have something to say. <laughs> Yeah, Rita, I, I'm very interested in how did that look from your particular perspective? Well, he started a men's Saturday morning Bible study right away. Really? And began teaching the men. Uh -huh. It had an effect in our home personally, hmm. as well as in the church leadership. So how did that just impact you as a woman in the church? You're seeing this kind of an emphasis from the Word of God on your husband and on the other men around you. How did that impact the way you were thinking about biblical counseling in general? Well, actually, I hadn't even thought about biblical counseling. Isn't that much. something? Yeah. I knew a lot about the Bible mm -hmm. and had studied a lot, but I never thought about it being practical. Isn't that something? And to watch people change and to see expressions even on people's faces change hmm. from hardened and indifferent to excited and happy and it gave us a lot of hope. So that, and that is biblical counseling in action. Even yes. if no one's calling it biblical counseling, it's just using the Word of God Absolutely. practically in the lives of men and women in the church. And you were seeing the effect of that even in the early days. Yes. Rita, tell him about asking Pastor Good for some counsel. <laughs> I just heard this story for the first time the other day, but it communicates a lot. I would like to hear that again, Rita. Well... He had been teaching us from the pulpit a lot of biblical principles that we hadn't heard or learned or knew about. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised because I knew all those passages, hmm. but I'd never thought about them in that way. Yep. You know, I knew the verses and I knew what they said and I knew I should be doing it, but he made it so easy hmm. and so practical to follow. But one day I was at church and I saw him in the hall and I said, hey, pastor, I have a question when you have time about the children. And he looked at me and he said, have you spoken to your first counselor? <laughs> and I said, that's what I think I'm doing right now. <laughs> and he said, oh, no, 
Jerry, your husband, is your first counselor. Isn't that something? So I want you to go home, and you talk about this issue with him. And if the two of you can't find an answer, both of you come and see me. Isn't that something? That certainly made it clear to me that I was going to be held responsible. It sure did. And the other men in the church were getting the same treatment. We learned real quick that he means business. <laughs> <laughs> but are you glad he answered that oh, way? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it very just, kind. Yeah. You know, it was just, you know, questioning. And I'm glad that you said that, Rita, because Pastor Good was a very kind person. So it is possible to believe in biblical counseling, believe in the sufficiency of the scripture, but speak it in love, just like Paul says, to speak the truth in love. And he did try to do that in that particular instance. Sure. And oftentimes. Yeah. yeah. In a more general sense, there was uh, Rita and I, are, since she was a school teacher, we stayed involved in the children's ministries, mm-hmm. children's church and Sunday school. I served as the chairman of the deacon and the Sunday school superintendent. I mean, <laughs> when you at really, the same time? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so we, we knew the children, and the children that we had at that time, some of them had come as a result of our bus ministries mm-hmm. and others from homes that hadn't heard anything about biblical counseling. Mm-hmm. And it really more was crowd control yep. than it was yep. teaching. But as months and years rolled on, Reed and I both noticed the difference in the children. They got easier to teach. They were easier to manage. They were polite and just generally just a whole change. And it had to be because of biblical counseling and understanding the bible and our roles all of us in the church and the church members were putting it into practice and it showed up in their children rita would that be your observation as well because you were a teacher so you spent a lot of time you had a lot of experience working with children then you were doing the same thing on sunday were you seeing that change as well oh yes yes it was quite evident the children would come in and like Jerry said, it would be crowd control, mm-hmm. trying to get them in their places. And we tried to do activities as well, not just preach at them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was difficult. It was tiring for the teachers. And it was hard to get teachers uh-huh. because of that and to keep them. So it's not just a matter of biblical counseling was being done in the counseling center that was started on Mondays. But these same principles are now impacting families throughout the week in a way that's even changing the nature of children's ministries on Sunday. Yes. That's pretty amazing. And to say that it was more difficult to get teachers if they just felt like they were doing crowd control, as you said, but once the families were doing a better job of teaching and disciplining their own kids, that even impacted the willingness of teachers to teach on Sunday. Yes. Very interesting. Jerry, you were also involved, as you said, in serving as the chairman of deacons. How did you see those biblical counseling principles start to impact the way conversations occurred in the deacons' meetings and problems were addressed? in the? De- so how did it affect the, the leadership of the church? Well, it was just, it was, like I said, it was that... Carrying it throughout the leadership, starting at the top and dealing with it all the way down. And it was so men of faith was very important. Mm -hmm. And we were all very committed to it. 
the majority of the men of the church were very faithful in attending, mm -hmm. and Pastor Good would teach. Mm -hmm. And he told me when he first came, he said, Jerry, I'm not going to teach the adult class that meets in the auditorium. I said, oh, yes, you are. <laughs> he said, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> and he said, I am going to teach the young married hmm. class uh -huh. because that's where the future of this church lies. Isn't that something? And he was right as can be. Hmm. And he taught the, the young married class. Some of our other people taught in the adult us old folks classes. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned men of faith. That, for many, many years, was every other Saturday morning during the academic year at 6 a.m. There wasn't a fancy breakfast. You got in there, you got yourself a cup of coffee and a donut, right. and then you sat down and we had tables out so guys could spread out their Bibles and their other study materials, their notes. We went after it for an hour and a half. Yeah, we right. would have three different speakers. At least when I came to faith, that's the way it was. Or Probably three different speakers. A little bit when you got there. <laughs> <laughs> and but you're right that it was very, very well attended by men, and some of them had work responsibilities on Saturdays, so they would come in their work clothes, and as soon as Men of Faith was over at 7.30, they were off to other responsibilities. Mm -hmm. But there was a sense in which counseling was being done in a group level. That yes. that's, in many ways, that's what that felt like, exactly. was a, a group counseling session, in part because it wasn't just a lecture. A lot of it was Q&A, yes. where the, whoever was teaching, whether it was Doc Smith or Pastor Good or whoever it was, would throw out an important question, a practical question, and then guys would take us back to the Bible in answering those questions. So it felt very much like an organic counseling session as much as it did a lecture or a one-way teaching opportunity. You're very right, and we didn't look at it as a another time for Bill Good to preach to us. Uh -huh. That wasn't, we. none of us looked at it that way, I yep. don't think. It was that we were going to go and get some help doing what he already warned us we were going to have to do, a be responsible. Yeah, and I think also this, when I came, I remember those men of faith, and I would say the same thing about our Sunday night services, because Sunday nights many times were conversations, were Q&As, where Pastor Good would throw out a question, mm -hmm. and then the congregation would discuss it around a particular passage of Scripture, so it wasn't one-sided at all. But as a result of that, there was a tremendous amount of wisdom coming from the men, or in Sunday night, the men and the women who would answer those questions. And so you were learning from Pastor Good or whoever was speaking, but you were also learning from whoever was answering. But that approach of question and answer on a practical topic based on the Word of God was actually training people to counsel. Those people who were answering those questions, they were applying it to their own heart and life, but they were also being positioned to be able to counsel others when that opportunity arose. One real basic thing that happened, he taught us that if somebody comes to you and the conversation starts, did you hear about, <laughs> he says, you want to say stop yep. right there yep. and ask the person, have you talked? to the other person right and well no yep well why are you talking to me yep. you know and so what we're going to do is i want you to talk to that person by thursday and if you haven't talked to them by thursday i'm coming to your house picking you up and together we're going to go <laughs> talk to him 
So they're putting down gossip. That's where the where the rubber met the road. And also teaching people to communicate biblically and get problem solved. Gossip almost fell like a trash. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because if people knew that if I get started down that gossip train, somebody's going to call me on it, right. then I'm going to have to go and do the right thing. Maybe it'd be easier not to gossip at all or just to get busy doing the right thing first. Yeah, forget about it or go solve it. Absolutely. <laughs> forget about it or go solve it. Excellent. Well, the, you two each eventually became involved in the counseling ministry. Rita, for you, how long did you serve in our counseling center? When did that start, and how long did you do it? I don't remember how long, <laughs> to be honest. But it started pretty early after Pastor Good came. Mm -hmm. Because when I married Jerry, Jamie and J.D. were 8 and 10 years old. Uh -huh. And they asked me not to teach school. They wanted to have me at home. And if they were sick, they wanted to come home, not to a babysitter. I see. And that had happened in their younger lives with their mother being ill. I see. And then after her death. Mm -hmm. And so I resigned from teaching and stayed at home. And when Pastor came, there was a lot of counseling that he had to do during uh -huh. the week. Uh -huh. And a lot of it was women because the men were working. Uh -huh. And we all had lots of questions. Mm -hmm. And after a time, maybe a year or so, he asked me if I would have the time to come and sit in with him I during see. counseling I see. so Mildred wouldn't have to do it every time. I see. And so that's how I got interested. And he would say to me, after this counseling session, this wife needs to learn more about submission. Hmm. I'm going to ask her to study with you this week. Isn't that something? And I will give you my notes uh -huh. on submission. And you teach those to her. That's exactly the way we work. Isn't that something? And so he would often say, teach this lesson on communication to so-and-so, and then when they come back, we'll have something more to talk about next week. So I kind of got started just by discipling, teaching God's Word on a one-to-one. -one. That's wonderful. Now, you eventually went back into teaching. Is that true? Yes. Let's see probably 15 years later I, see. I went back into teaching because my recollection of you was that you were teaching special education students am I remembering that correctly that's correct I taught general education when I first came and then when I went back to teaching in 1990 I went in as a special ed teacher because that really helped us in our counseling ministry because when we had a family that had a child who was struggling academically you were often able to be the one that would either assist us or work with that child. And so you were able to wed your training in the classroom with your training in the counseling room and help so many different families in that way. That was an exciting time to be able to use those principles and to teach children and families how God wants them to be responsible for their daily activities. What's well, interesting for me, just to think about, and you've told me some things today that I did not know, just about your story, and it's interesting how God directed you all along the way so that you could be such a faithful and beneficial servant in our church in so many different areas. So thank you for your faithfulness. Oh, well, thank you. It was an exciting time to me because as I thought about my life, and how it impacted the Lord and others. Hmm. It was far, far from what Pastor Good was teaching us. Interesting. And I had a lot of changing to do, and he helped me with that. Yeah, praise the and, Lord for that. Um, and then I was 
excited to share it with others. Amen. And then, Jerry, you got involved. You've been serving in our counseling ministry formally for many, many years, then even started working with some of our men out at our Restoration Men's Ministry. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, Pastor Good developed the first training class, Mm -hmm. and I went to it, and I was working, of course, so it was kind of a struggle to have the time, but I did take it, and he would ask me to take a counseling case, and I didn't think about certification you know, we were just counseling. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then he would ask Rita and I occasionally to work with a couple. And we would do that. And we were learning as we went. Yep. You know, yep. eventually I retired from my remunerative position. And right after that, I heard that in December that we had a waiting list that dated back till September. Hmm. Isn't that something? And I said, wow. And we always had a waiting list. That's right. And I told Doc Smith, who was co-founder of the counseling mm-hmm. ministry with Bill Good, I told him, I said, you know, if you'd like for me to help you, I would help you whittle that waiting list down. He said, well, we do want you to help, but we want to be able to say that all of our counselors are either certified biblical counselors or they're working on it. Uh-huh. And I said, Doc, I didn't want to go back to college. I just wanted to help out a little bit. But that was in January after that December. And I said, okay, I'll start working on being certified. And I was certified then the next October. Well, congratulations Uh, for doing that. It's a lot of work. it, It was a lot of work, but it was wonderful, too. Yeah. So I began to counsel, and I sat in with him many many times just like rita had done yeah and a lot of hours and one day he told me he said jerry the next new case we get is yours <laughs> and my heart began to pound right there uh-huh. said, oh my and sure enough we got a new case he said now i'm gonna i'm not gonna ever say anything in this case unless you were to turn to me and say doc is there anything you'd like to add yep which is to be interpreted, I'm drowning here, <laughs> save me. <laughs> and uh, so this case was just incredible. I mean, there was, I won't, I don't even want to mention what all was wrong because mm. somebody might put it together. Yep. But it was, I dealt with it for 45 minutes and I was drowning. Huh. And so I turned Doc Smith <laughs> and he said, I told him, would you like to add anything, Doc? And he just took the case over so gently, so mm-hmm. easily, asked them questions and got more information out of them than I had done. <laughs> I, I sat there and watched him now, and I learned I'd seen him do it time and time sure. and time again, but it just hadn't hit me mm-hmm. where it really counts. Yep. I realized, and I, I was never intimidated by a case after that. Isn't that something? You know, it, just, it really was a, an example for me. I, I never was frightened or worried. I knew somehow I would get to the answer and to the problem, get it answered. Yeah. It's always interesting to me, and we were praying about it before we started recording, of just who might be listening to this podcast. I do wonder if there might be some folks who are in a struggling church and wondering what should we do? Maybe we need a pastor. Maybe we need to rethink the path that we're on. And it sounds to me that 
what you all would say is that if there's a pastor or a leadership team that will be committed to biblical counseling, to the sufficiency of scripture and biblical problem solving, that many times can be a great, great blessing to that church. You know, back in the before build good days, we would try evangelistic tools. Mm -hmm. You know, at first it was Tuesday night visitation to people that had visited our mm -hmm. church and maybe hit a couple of houses in their neighborhood. But that soon began not to work yeah. so well. And so we moved into the fast Sunday school growth movement. Mm -hmm. And I know you're well aware of that. Sure. And that worked. And then we started buying buses. Mm -hmm. And we had six buses when at the top. We found out later when we figured out who really needed a ride and how much it cost to maintain those buses, we could have sent taxi cabs for those people. <laughs> it had been cheaper. So Bill DeGood made us realize we were not doing well financially with that program. Hmm. We, of course, started having the February conference. Mm -hmm. And one Sunday night at one of these conferences a number of years ago, I was there on, at that Sunday night, and a lot of people came in early on Sunday and, mm -hmm. to be there, so there were a lot of visitors. And I looked over to the left side of the west side of our auditorium, and there's three guys that I didn't know who were talking together. It was one older fella and two young fellas. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I'm just going to go over and introduce myself and talk to them. I found out it was... They were all three from the same church. Hmm. And so in the conversation, I said, well, you know, we've tried a lot of evangelistic tools in our day. But I said, biblical counseling has been the best one ever. Isn't that something? And we have done more evangelistic help and mm -hmm. winning people to Christ in our counseling ministry than any other ministry. And this older fellow says, that's what I've been trying to tell these young guys. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. That is absolutely wonderful. You know, we're going to celebrate, Lord willing, our 60th anniversary as a church next year. It's just quite amazing to have two folks like you who have been so very, very faithful. Such a blessing to this community, such a blessing to our church family. As I said at the beginning, you've had a front row seat at watching all of this develop. But you've also, you've not just sat. That's what I don't like about the front row seat metaphor, because you've been right in the thick of it in all the different ways that you have served. So thank you for being so faithful. Thank you for believing that God's word is sufficient, believing that there are practical answers that can help us to change and grow. And then to sacrifice, not only in applying that to your own heart and life and marriage and family, but to teach it in Sunday school, to counsel, and just to serve in so many different ways. You're a great example of what Pastor Good was hoping would happen all those many, many years ago. We and could so, be better. Well, and we all could. We all could. But we're praising the Lord Jesus Christ, who is working in and through you. And it's real proof that counseling isn't just something that happens in the counseling room. It impacts every facet of church ministry, and when that occurs, it can be a delightful, delightful thing. So thank you very much for talking to us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. You can check out more about our ministry at faithlafayette.org, or if you're interested in receiving biblical counseling training, go to faithlafayette.org slash conferences. 
You can find these presentations wherever you normally access your podcasts, and you could really help us just to get the word out by telling your friends on social media that these presentations are going to be available. Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast honors the Lord and is a blessing to you.